there may be some of you that are in this assembly this morning that have lost a child. And if you have, my heart goes out to you. First funeral I ever preached, I told uh, Brother Sammy this morning, I didn't get into to preaching to preach funerals, but I preached a lot of funerals. But the first funeral that I ever preached was a five-year-old boy who died of leukemia. I really didn't know what to say. I, I was almost at a loss for words. I was wondering, what, what do I say to comfort these, uh, these parents who've lost this? In fact, it was their only son. It wasn't their only child, but it was their only son. I observed over the year or so that this young boy was sick. Uh, he went to St. Jude in, in Memphis and back and forth and, and finally to a hospital in, in Macon, Georgia. Very good young man, young boy, well behaved. I don't recall a time that during all of what he was doing, where he was being stuck and where he was given various kinds of treatments to, to fight his leukemia, I don't recall a time that he ever complained. And I thought it was rather strange. This young boy wanted to see some snow. <laughs> and it was in March of 1973. just happened that in the time that he was in the hospital, just a little while before he died, there was a huge snow that came through Georgia. <laughs> and I was, it's, we're talking about southern Georgia. We're not talking about upper Georgia or middle Georgia. It came through southern Georgia, about eight inches of snow. He got to see snow. But that was a hard, that was a hard funeral. But one thing that I did tell these parents... And I heard one of them say, well, you know, God took him and, and, I, and, and I, I don't understand why God took him. But one thing that I did tell these parents is this. God did not take your five-year-old son. He did not make him have leukemia. He did not make it to where the treatments would not uh, put that in remission. God did not make that happen. And I've told people over the years, God does not make these things happen. If He did, then, then um, I'm wondering why would He do that to these people, but other children, their treatments worked, and they, they were in remission. Why would He do that to this couple? Good couple. That, that was a difficult funeral. But you know, while that was a great tragedy, I'll tell you something to me, that would be a greater tragedy than that. And that would be to lose a child eternally. I don't know of anything that would, should pull at our heartstrings to understand this this morning, that, that there's a possibility that we could lose a child eternally if we do not do what we're supposed to do as parents. And I realize that that's not always easy. You know, what we need to recognize is, is we need to use the standard that God has given us, and that's this book right here. The problem with our society, and you can go into any 
uh, bookstore that you want to. You can go to any library that you want to and you'll see all of these books written by these gurus who can tell you what you need to do in rearing children. And they have no idea, at least most of them don't. Especially if they're not using the Bible as the basis for what they're trying to tell you. They don't understand what they're talking about when they're talking about rearing children. I had a friend, a very close friend, several years ago that told uh, Kay and I this. That we uh, were visiting on one occasion. He said that he had been to his um, uh, family gathering or his wife's side of the family to their family gathering, and it was during the holidays, and he had two, at that time, two little girls. I don't know if he had the other two at that point, but he had two little girls. And one of the little girls was misbehaving, and he got up, and he took her out of the, wherever they were talking or eating or whatever, he took her out of there, and he gave her a warming lesson. You know what I mean. Well, when, when they came back in, his sister-in-law got up and she came over to him and she said, you should never spank your child. He looked her in the face and he said, I'll tell you something. He said, you, I won't tell you how to raise your brats. And he said, and you don't tell me how to raise mine. He said that was the last word she ever said to him as far as children <laughs> were concerned. Um, it is... It is difficult in rearing children. We're going to look at the five L's of rearing children. And when I say rearing, I'm talking about educating, nurturing, training children. That's what, that what I have in mind. And you'll have people tell you, uh, you know, you shouldn't spank your child. Or you need to go a little bit easier on them. You know, don't, just don't be so hard. And, and I know that you can be too hard. I understand that. But in most cases, that's not the problem. In most cases, it's not being hard enough. In most cases, it is being too easy. Or somebody will come to you and say, you know, uh, if you just leave them alone, they're going to grow out of it. And they may, they may not. And particularly, that won't be the case if they've not been taught. But then, then you'll have somebody come to you, and well, let me tell you what you need to do. Well, again, if what they're going to tell you isn't based upon this book, then they're going to tell you the wrong thing. What do we need to do in rearing our children? Lord, what will you have me to do? Well, number one, we need, we need to love them. See, that's, that's our job as parents. We need to love our children. Our responsibility is to bring into the lives of those who are our children compassion, time, Hugs, discipline, love, and a whole lot of other things that we need to bring into their lives. You know, far too many children are born into this world that are not loved. You, you know that. You're aware of that. In fact, just this past uh, few weeks when, when they had the trial, little Kaylee Anthony. Just in what I observed, Kaylee Anthony was not loved by her mother from just what I observed. There was a woman here recently, you may have read this in the newspaper, that 
was putting hydrocodone and oxycontin and other drugs of that nature in the bottle that she was feeding to this baby. Well, the baby died, and of course, I don't know exactly what the, the punishment was to this mother, but from my observation, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, that mother did not love that baby. Susan Smith in, in, in Greer, South Carolina, this is several years ago, drove off her car, or at least pushed her car off into a lake after she had strapped her two young sons in the back seat and they died from drowning in that car. My estimation, Susan Smith did not love those children. What I'm saying this morning is that we're going to have to love our children. Now, I could give you a whole lot of other examples, and of course, children are in a lot of trouble today from the standpoint of, of things that, that are... I, I just don't think that we've communicated to society what we need to communicate to society. And so there are a whole lot of uh, hazards that they're going to have to go through out there that, that uh, I'm thinking, you know, they never used... Kids, kids didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to worry about a lot of things that, that kids are going to have to worry about today and parents are going to have to worry about them. What does it mean when we're talking about love? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to Titus in Titus chapter 2. To Titus, he told him to teach the aged women, verse 3, likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to wine, not teachers of good things. And then watch verse 4. And that they teach what? That they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Do what? To love their husbands and to love their children. Now, I don't want to make it sound as though he doesn't intend for the husband to love his wife and love his children because, yes, that's his responsibility as well. But here he's talking to the aged women and he's saying to them, you need to teach the younger women. You need to teach them that they need to be sober. That is, they need to be serious-minded. They need to love their husbands and they need to love their children. What does it mean, love? You remember... And all of you are aware of the passage, John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What happened? What, what did, how did God love the world? How did God express to the world that He loved us? He gave His only begotten Son. Let me express to you this morning that one of the ways in which you can love your children is you need to sacrifice for them. We live in a day and time in which most... Uh, most people, or no, maybe I shouldn't say most, but I'm saying a lot of people are considered, concerned only about themselves. And I'm not talking about, Lord, what will you have me to do? But you've got a lot of people today that, that are only concerned about me. What about me? And I've had a, a number, at least a few, couples that I have um, counseled over the years that were having marital problems. And, and as I counseled them, here's what I heard some of them saying. I want to do something for me. I'm not concerned about him or I'm not concerned about her. I want to do something for me. Folks, if that's all we're concerned about, we're in trouble. When all we're concerned about is me. Now, I'm not saying that there's not... We have no concern whatsoever about our physical lives. 
eating, whatever. But what I am saying is that if we're only concerned about ourselves, we've got a problem. The wise man said in Proverbs 22, verse 16, excuse me, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. Now I know that this, there, there sometimes are, are um, exceptions to that rule. But by and large, that rule will stand true. If you will train up a child when, when he is young and the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. But listen to what he said. And, and, I, and I understand, you know, people in, in society. In fact, if you, uh, a few years ago, I, I knew a, a man that had spanked his child or one of his, one of his children, he had a boy and a girl, and he spanked one of them. I don't remember which one it was. And, and, and they went to school, and, and the teacher saw it, and they reported him, and child services came in, and, and, and they were getting ready to take those children away from him because he had spanked one of them. Left Mark on the backside. Listen to what the wise man said. Now, is, is Solomon inspired or is he not inspired? Is Solomon, telling, is Solomon telling what God wants him to tell or is he telling what he wants to tell? Which one is he doing? Can you answer that question? Proverbs 23, verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Now, I don't uh, have any visions of the fact that Solomon was saying that you need to take an iron rod and you need to beat your child to within an inch of their life. That's not what Solomon was saying. And someone who would do that, uh, they need to be prosecuted. The rod that Solomon was talking about was usually a rod that was used in measuring. It might have been a uh, something like a reed that we know of. It wouldn't necessarily have been something like a yardstick because if you used a yardstick to paddle a child, it's not going to last long, maybe one lick, <laughs> and then it'll break. But that, that's what Solomon said. Now, either Solomon was inspired and what he said was true, and, and if that's the case, then I want you to understand something, parents. If you are going to... If you're going to love your child, you're going to have to discipline your child. If you're going to love your child, you're going to have to sacrifice for your child. You're going to have to give to your child. Number two, the second L of love, of, of rearing your children, is you need to listen to your children. I don't know of any of us that, have, that are not guilty of what I'm about to say. child comes to you and you're busy doing something and you're working or you're studying as I sometimes was, and, and, and they, want to, they want to ask you a question. They want you to talk to them. They want you to play with them. And, and you say, get, get away, I'm busy. Go, go on. But I want you to understand something. That, that opportunity will never come back to you again. I, I love uh, what I was reading on one occasion where a preacher had gone to a home and, and the mother was in the kitchen washing the dishes and a little girl came up to her and pulled at her skirt and, and said, Mommy, would you read me this book? And he said she stopped what she was doing. She dried her hands off as she went down and sat down in the living room and she read that book to that child. When she got done, the child got up and started playing and she went back to washing the dishes. 
Sometimes children have things to say that are important. Particularly if they're trying to tell you about something that, you know, they're in trouble. They got, they, they, it's important. I remember reading about a, a preacher on one occasion that was cleaning the baptistry. And as he was cleaning the baptistry, uh, his little girl was with him. And he had drained it and, and he was inside of it. And she came up to the top of the steps and, and she said, Daddy, she said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm cleaning the baptistry. And she said, what's a baptistry? He said, it's this right here. <laughs> and she said, well, why are you cleaning the baptistry? And about that time, he was beginning to get a little frustrated because she was asking him these questions. And finally it dawned on him. He said, you know, maybe I need to sit down and talk with her about a baptistry. And so he did. And he took passages like 1 Peter three twenty one. Baptism doth also now save us. He taught her about baptism. He taught her why there was a need for a baptistry in the building. And, and that satisfied her. She went on her way. But what I'm saying is that you, you need to understand that children sometimes need, we need to listen to them. Not only love them. Here's the third L of rearing children. We need to limit our children. I think some parents are indeed indulgent when it comes to their children. It isn't an easy job in deciding what do they need to do or what do they not need to do. Um, but it's a decision that we're going to have to make as parents. Sometimes we may make a decision that is um, a mistake in judgment. And I hope that's the only decision that we make when we make something of the wrong kind of decision. I hope it's... a a decision in, in, in judgment that we make. I hope it's not a moral decision or a, a sinful decision. I hope it's just a judgment decision, an honest mistake in judgment. But whenever children uh, come into this world, we oftentimes, at least in, in our day and time, We've got all kinds of things that, that we can shower our children with. Nothing wrong with, with showering them with certain things, but there is a limit, folks, to what they need, what, what they will need. There's a limit to it. You know, I, I've, I've been in, in uh, Walmart, grocery stores, and, and seen children pitch what I call a royal fit. They'll start crying, and I want this, Mommy, I want this, and they'll start hollering and screaming and crying and and finally, mama say, shut up, hush up, quit, I'm going to take you out. Never happened. Finally, they cry and scream and holler enough that mom gets whatever it is off the shelf and puts it in the car. There's one way you can cure that. Only one way that you can cure that. That's either stand by what you say. If it's taking them out and going on home, if he's taking them out and spanking them and then bringing them back in, whatever the case might be, if you tell them something, then stick by your word. If you, if you don't stick by your word, then, then they're going to know that the next time they come in that they can do whatever they want to do and still get what they want. The Bible limits us. Limits us as far as our uh, relationships are concerned. First Corinthians 15 33. You need to watch who you're running with. 
because some can corrupt good morals. And then it limits us as far as our language is concerned. The Bible tells us that there is no filthy communication to come out of your mouth. Colossians 3 and verse 8. Paul said in chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, what he was talking about is watch what you're saying. Don't say things that you shouldn't say. The Bible limits us for a number, in a number of areas. It limits us in our apparel. Uh, to put on apparel that is modest is what Paul was talking about in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 10. So there is a limit to us. There's a limit to our children. Number three, or number four, the fourth L in rearing our children is to lead our children. Children need to be led back to God because that's where they came from. You remember Psalm 127 where the psalmist said, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. In other words, God gave them to us. So if God gave them to us, that means we need to lead them back to God. But what are, what's happening in society today are many children are being led as far away from God as some people can humanly do. Have you ever observed your children when they're young? Uh, every one of ours did this. Every single one of them. Our grandchildren do this. You go in the living room and you sit down and you take your shoes off. And they will come up and they will put your shoes on their feet and they will try to walk around in your shoes. Don't they? How many of you have ever had that to happen? Let me see your hands. Happens, doesn't it? In fact, almost every child will do that. Well, let me... Let me Say, where, where are those shoes leading? Now, I know that, that when we're talking about the fact that they're doing this at home, but where are your shoes leading your children? You know, when, when Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Do, do, what did he say? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then he talked about the father. He said, And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Our responsibility, folks, is to lead our children. Lead them in the right way. Lead them back to God. And then number five, it is our responsibility as parents to let our children go. That's hard. And if you don't know that already, you're going to find it out. It is hard letting your children go. The world is not an easy place to live. In fact, it is a cruel place. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the family. Because if it wasn't for that... People, there would be a lot of people who wouldn't survive at all because that's where we're going to be able to find a refuge in the church of the living God and in the Christian home. Folks, I hope you'll understand. Sometimes you have to cut the apron strings. Some parents meddle in their children's business after they get married and, and problems are caused. That doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship with your children. You still do. They still come to your house and they're welcome. All of ours are welcome at our house at any time. But I don't run their lives. 
I may talk to them about their lives, but I don't run their lives. Let them go. Appreciate your attention this morning to the lesson.